Five counties received word this week that they were selected to participate in a pilot for Indiana's first state-funded pre-K education program. The program is aimed at preparing low-income four-year-olds for success in school. I'm State Impact Indiana education reporter Rachel Morello, and today on Noon Edition, we'll talk about how the chosen counties are preparing for the influx of students and why the pilot program is sparking a new interest in early childhood education. We'll hear from the state representative who wrote the legislation and members of counties that were and weren't chosen to participate. And we invite you to join our conversation after this hour's news. Production support comes from Smithville Communications, serving southern Indiana with fiber gigabit internet and digital IPTV. More information at smithville.net. And from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, addressing public health needs by preventing disease, promoting health, and improving quality of life across the state and around the world through research, teaching, and community engagement, offering undergraduate and advanced degrees, publichealth.indiana.edu. Allen, Jackson, Lake, Marion, and Vanderburg were the five counties selected this week to participate in Indiana's pre-K pilot program aimed at preparing low-income children for success in school. I'm your host, State Impact Indiana education reporter Rachel Morello. Bob and Mary Catherine are out this week. We at State Impact have been following the process of establishing the program and are pleased to be joined today by some key players on both the implementation and execution sides. In studio, we're joined by John Pierce. John is a consultant to the Big Goal Collaborative and United Way of Allen County for Early Childhood Initiatives. On the phone for the first half of the program, we're also joined by Representative Bob Baining. Representative Baining wrote the legislation for this pilot program. And in our second half, we'll hear from John Burnett, president and CEO of the Community Education Committee in Bartholomew County. His county was not selected for the pilot, but they began their own pre-K education program a few years ago, and he'll talk about their plans for the future of that program. If you'd like to join our conversation, give us a call at 812-855-0811 or toll free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also log on to the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition or tweet at noon edition. So Representative Baining, I'll start with some questions for you. Can you just sort of lay out the basics of this pilot program for us? Yes. Um, well, we. this is a second time that we attempted to get the legislation through. We uh, tried it last year, and unfortunately the uh, Senate was not willing to um, collaborate with us. Um, And this year, fortunately, the governor got on board as well, which made it a little bit easier. But our goal is to um, move forward. Indiana is one of, um, I think now we're one of, well, we were one of 11 states that still didn't offer any type of publicly funded preschool. And um, with the significant problems we have in terms of children of poverty coming to school almost, uh, coming to kindergarten almost 18 months behind, we were um, looking at a way to try to meet the needs of those students. <coughs> Excuse me. So we put together a um, program, and we started with the pilot, which is where we are today, which would um, 
allow for um, approximately anywhere between five and uh, 8,000 students statewide to participate in a program that would be uh, a full-time um, preschool program that would provide high-quality early childhood education. Um, we're doing it through our um, FSSA, or uh, Child Care Development Grant, CCDF. Um, they have currently um, a very robust child care program, and they have embedded in their program um, with past quality levels three and four, a high-quality early childhood education pro, uh, program. So we decided to use them instead of the Department of Ed because they had a program already available that was recognized and past the quality has been nationally recognized as a uh, robust early childhood education uh, program. So uh, we wanted to have five counties, um, and we wanted it to be diverse. We did not want all of them to be necessarily uh, uh, urban counties. They're supposed to be somewhat diverse. Unfortunately, it ends up now that we have Allen, as you said, Allen Lake, um, Marion, Vandenberg, and Jackson. Jackson being the only one that I really would consider much of a rural county. But part of the problem we had in terms of getting the counties um, together was um, to make sure that they had the quality um, providers and enough capacity in those communities to be able to um, meet the needs of the program. The uh, goal, again, was to you know, make sure we had high-quality programs, and there's a lot of programs across the state and a lot of very good programs, but um, we wanted either level three or four. They had to be nationally certified, um, so it was a, a little bit more rigorous than um, what maybe some communities were able to put together. One of the other components that is included, and we have a $5 million uh, grant for this program, is basically a scholarship or a voucher that's given to the uh, parent to let the child go to the um, preschool that meets the uh, criteria set forth. Um, but we also require communities to um, do a matching grant, so they have to raise money as well. And many have uh, well exceeded the, uh, we required a 10% match, and some have almost doubled the uh, amount that they anticipate receiving from the state. So there's got a lot of energy statewide, and we're excited because not only does this help the five counties, but there were a number of counties that applied, and all of them are focused on improving their child care delivery system and their early childhood education programming. So it helps kids statewide, and then when we finally are able to roll it out statewide, we'll have more uh, communities ready to run. Okay, I, I want to turn it over to John Pierce really quickly, and I know we just heard um, from Representative Baining about the um, county, the statements that you had to provide with the all of these sorts of, I guess, let's, let's, I'll ask you, can you detail for us what these, uh, this county readiness statement was that you had to submit? Yes, uh, it was a statement of where we are already and what kind of funding that our counties have already provided for early childhood education, as well as the capacity that we have to serve new uh, students. In every case, I think uh, they were looking for existing collaboration within the county, and Allen certainly has a robust collaboration going. So it was uh, designed to show evidence of that. It was designed to show that we do have a high need, but also the ca capacity to serve them. And we only basically had about two and a half weeks to put this together, so we were fortunate that we already had some of the pieces in place. 
Um, really briefly, can you just touch on the Big Gold Collaborative, which you're a consultant for, and how pre-K kind of plays into that? Yes, I would. And because of the uh, Big Gold Collaborative, which is a 10-county effort in northeast Indiana, uh, we were more prepared for this than we would have been. This is based on a, the Strive uh, Together, a partnership out of Cincinnati, and there's a similar uh, effort in Marion County as well. But it came out of an economic development need. How are we going to get the well-qualified employees that we need to attract and retain high-paying jobs in Northeast Indiana? And our economic development folks and, and business leaders identified success in education as the number one thing that we needed to do. So we created this continuum of care, uh, kind of wraparound care for students from conception to career. And so we've got work groups working. For example, I'm in charge of the work group that is uh, focused on readiness for kindergarten to try to ensure every child that enters kindergarten, any in the 10 counties in northeast Indiana, is prepared when, when they get there. And we knew from surveys that we've done that about one out of four needs intensive help. Like Representative Baining said, you know, many of them are 18, 24 months behind their peers when they get there. And that not only makes it difficult for them, but it makes it difficult for the teacher. It makes it difficult for other students in the classroom. When you say they're behind, what, what sorts of things are they behind on? Well, the only thing that we were able to measure um, because we don't have measurements across the state of Indiana. It's something that we get into later on because the Governor's Early Learning Advisory Committee is working on that effort. But we used uh, an assessment of their pre-literacy skills that 60% of our school districts um, use already. And that put students in a category of green, yellow, and red. Red meaning, meaning intensive help. Um, so... I guess I'm going to take a step back really quickly. How how did you decide to apply? How did Allen County decide to apply for this program? We pulled together uh, 23 potential partners uh, into a room to watch the webinar that FSSA put on on June 12th. And after considering what was involved, we asked everyone in the room, and this was a cross-section of people from Head Start, from the school districts, from associated churches and United Way and other partners, uh, including some funders. And to a person, we said, we want to go for this. And I preface that by saying, um, you know, whoever is chosen, the five counties, they have a tremendous weight on their shoulders because Thousands of students, thousands of other counties are depending on these five to be successful, improving what Representative Baining and other legislatures believe is that preschool works, high-quality preschool works. And, and one of the evidences that I keep pointing to that shows the need for this is that in this past school year, the Indiana Department of Education reported that we are spending $17 million dollars to re-educate kindergartners, 3,200 of them throughout the state, that didn't pass kindergarten. And, mm. and that's what we're trying to get at here. And I think that the, those who support these kind of efforts understand that there is a tremendous cost that we're paying now for remediation, for outcomes that 
lead adults to be, you know, on social welfare roles um, or in the criminal justice system. And that's what the research says that high quality early uh, education, uh, how it pays off. That's the return on investment. Representative Beening, I want to go back to you for a second. Um, I know that in addition to the testing, testing the program out in these five counties, there's a study that's going to take place as part of Correct. this program. Can you describe that study for us? Well, there's a couple things going on. Uh, we're actually doing a um, study this summer, an interim study committee, uh, that will look at um, where how the program is rolling out and, and um, hopefully look at some of the uh, data that would support um, continuing to move this forward. But um, we're also in the bill, we require a longitudinal data study so that we're looking at um, exactly how these students will track uh, in the future. Uh, the goal is to make certain that they, as, as um, he was saying, make certain that they're prepared to uh, uh, begin kindergarten. And we're not necessarily always focused. I think sometimes there's a huge amount of energy focus at academics. There's also um, uh, what we would call executive function uh, components that need to be considered, meaning that the students need to be ready to learn. And, and many times when these uh, children are so socially uh, inept that they're not ready to sit down, pay attention, just things that you and I would think would be naturally uh, embedded in a child at that age, but because of the environment and because of the poverty, the, 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 unfortunately, they don't get some of those uh, uh, um, skills as a child, and so the goal would be to provide academics as well as some of those other components, but we're going to do a longitudinal study to make certain that the high-quality nature of this will actually move students forward. We know that um, the goal would be to have them ready for kindergarten, and then uh, by grade three, um, they also hopefully would be ready to uh, pass our I-READ uh, exam, because we know that statistics show that they're not, um, if they're 18 months behind when they get to kindergarten, that they're much, much less likely to be able to pass um, third grade reading, which puts them behind and makes them much more likely to drop out and, as was said earlier, become part of our criminal justice system or social welfare system because of the fact that they don't have the skill sets necessary to be successful in life. So the goal is to have a longitudinal study that will help validate the um, improve to some of the naysayers that this really does work. Today on Noon Edition, we're talking about this week's selection of five counties to participate in the state's pre-K pilot program. Join our discussion by calling 812-855-0811 or toll free at 1-877-285-9348. Or you can join our live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition or tweet us at Noon Edition. Um, Representative Baining, I know the, um, the program is also designed to include a kindergarten readiness assessment. Can you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that as well? Yes. As we put the program together, too, we also wanted, we required the inputs, meaning that we wanted a high-quality program, like path, path to quality, but we also want to measure the output. So we're looking at a, an assessment that the Early Learning Advisory Committee is supposed to be putting together so that we can actually... Um, hopefully measure the success of the program. Uh, at one point in time, we were looking at it as a, program, uh, a test called I-STAR-KR, but we have left that open to the uh, committee to make the decision as to what assessment they think would be um, 
best meet the needs of these students and assess them in a way that would be uh, helpful in predicting uh, success in kindergarten. So um, but that is a very important component of the uh, uh, pilot as well, because right now we want to make sure that we have quality embedded at, at every level. John, how many, do you know how many preschool-aged kids in your area are not currently being served? Uh, FSSA identified uh, over 1,400 four-year-olds uh, that would be eligible for this that are not now getting high-quality care. Okay, and how many do you anticipate being able to serve with this, through this program? Because we only had two uh, and a half weeks to put this together, <laughs> we provided a range of 240 to 440 um, either through an intensive summer school through Head Start or uh, the full full year uh, through our public school districts and other uh, level three and four providers. Okay. But, but it's problematic. For example, the biggest opportunity we have to serve them are our school districts. Fort Wayne Community Schools is the largest public school district in the state, one of the finest. Every single one of their uh, preschool classrooms is nationally accredited but they are not on paths to quality. So one of the other things that's going on is, is the Indiana Department of Education and FSSA are working to for a way to fast track those kinds of situations so that school districts that have already been doing excellent work can get on paths to quality. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about providers, especially we'll look at Allen County, I guess. Um, can Do you have any breakdown of what sort of providers you have between the public school districts versus mm -hmm. private or parochial? Uh, well, we um, we already are serving, we have level four providers, 30 of them, 30 different sites that serve about 1,800 students overall, uh, 35 level three providers, so that's pretty significant. Um, there, for example, are some non-public accredited preschools that only serve 32 students. So. Can I Head Start, which is a level four provider with five different locations in Allen County, uh, currently serves 326, but they're at capacity. So in that case, that's why we're looking at like an intensive eight-week summer program that could serve those students as well. Okay, and as far as fast-tracking some of those, uh, maybe level one or level two <coughs> programs up to a level three or four. How is the county planning to do that sort of thing? We already have efforts in place. I, uh, we have an organization called Associated Churches that is trying to help uh, faith-based ministry uh, to get on paths to quality and to move up. We also have United Way and an organization called Women United that are providing funding to help paths to quality providers move up from level one or two to, to levels three and level four. So it takes funding, it takes some capital investment, it takes training, all that costs money. You know, those are things that are not part of this legislation that local communities have to come up with, what I call the, the wraparound part of this, this whole um, effort. And um, so that's gonna be a challenge. We did a real quick survey. We found 11 providers that said, yes, we have capacity and we wanna, we're already level three or level four, and we wanna add students. Okay. So it's a, it's a really a collaborative effort, and it's, and it's a mixed delivery system. I mean, our early childhood system in, is not a system, I guess you'd say, in Indiana. It is, it is fragmented. Um, one of the things that Representative Banning mentioned that I think will help this coalesce 
is that kindergarten entry assessment. If we get one that's uniform throughout the state, one of the purposes of having that is to provide continuous improvement within the early childhood domain so that we can provide feedback at kindergarten to the different providers as to how their students are performing so that they know what they need to do to improve. Representative Banning, I know we only have you for a few more minutes. I want to give you a chance to add anything or even not to put both of you on the spot, but even give you two a chance to interact on anything that, um, you know, has happened since the selection. Well, well I, there's a couple other things I was going to mention, too, that, um, well, and as he was talking about um, different delivery systems, we anticipated, and, and actually the providers and the advocates were strong advocates of saying that this should not be a public school-only uh, provider. We need to make sure that we have um, a variety of providers, uh, be it public, private, um, parochial, whatever, because the... Um, communities are so diverse and you know, as you go across the state that um, you're not able to, some of the public schools do not have the capacity to provide the uh, high quality program we're looking at. And one other component as the gentleman was speaking of wraparound services, we're also looking at a parental involvement component which uh, we thought was very important to make sure we were hopeful that we could get parents engaged at preschool and hopefully they would um, start at an early age and keep um, involved in their child's education throughout their K-12 uh, environment. The, uh, so the requirement also requires that there be a wraparound uh, parental involvement component as well, as well as it also requires attendance because we don't want to take children into the program and have them um, miss significant um, days of it because then they uh, lose the opportunities to receive the services that are available. So there are some criteria that are embedded in it as well to make certain that the uh, program does have quality as well as uh, some different components, like I said, with wraparound services for parents as well to get them more engaged in their child's education. Do you want to add something? Well, the first thing I'd like to say is thank you to Representative <laughs> Bading for making this possible. It, like any bill, it's not perfect, but we're delighted to have the opportunity to show that this works. And the two things I'd like to pick up on that he said, one is the parent involvement and parent engagement. That That is vital to the success of any student going through school, and I think he's absolutely right, and the experts would agree that if we can engage them early in the process and they see their role as their parents first and best uh, teacher uh, and we help educate them how to be an even better uh, teacher as a parent I think that's going to be um, to the benefit of all of us and um, we have resources already available that are specialists at that home visiting services come to mind like early head start healthy families parents as teachers. I know in Marion County they have nurse-family partnership that a lot of times are focused on the health of the child, but also they do home visiting and they model for parents um, how, how to be a good parent and how to uh, create those skills that he was talking about. And the second thing is that I think every kindergarten teacher that I've ever talked to has said, you give me a student that has self-control abilities, good social-emotional skills, they know how to keep their hands to themselves and take care of their bodily functions, 
we can take him the rest of the way. So I think he's absolutely right. And what Representative Bading has said is is um, also repeating what a lot of the research has said um, by folks such as James Heckman from University of Chicago, a Nobel Prize winning uh, economist, who's indicated that it's it's the character skills that we develop in early childhood, like mm-hmm. persistence and self-control and uh, curiosity and critical thinking skills uh, that are what really carry us through our college and career days and over any kind of challenges that we might encounter as a human being. And those studies have sometimes shown that the students didn't stay ahead of their peers all the way through school. But what we're looking at creating here, we, we need to look at what the goal is. We want career, college-ready, uh, family-raising-ready 18-year-olds. That's the goal here. And I think uh, this new legislation will help us hit a lot of kids in that direction towards a very positive uh, outcomes in life. Well, John, we look forward to speaking with you more in the second half of the program. And Representative Baining, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks. You're listening to Noon Edition, and today we're talking about the pre-K pilot program aimed at preparing low-income children for school. Share your thoughts or questions by joining the live chat at WFIU.org or on Twitter at Noon Edition. You can also call the program at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Communications. More information at smithville.net. And IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back. We're here speaking with John Pierce from Allen County. We're talking about the pre-K pilot program that's happening in the state to prepare low-income children for school. Um, John, I'm going to ask you, we kind of went through the first half of the timeline, you know, what the program is, why you decided to apply, how you applied. So let's move to what's going to happen from here on out. Can you kind of just give me a rundown of the sorts of things that are going to have to happen in Allen County and as well in these other four counties um, before the program starts next summer. Be happy to. Uh, The five counties have a um, a, a webinar coming up on August 23rd with FSSA to give us more details about how this is going to work. And I believe that the providers who supply the Child Care Development Fund vouchers, the CCDF vouchers, are meeting next week to find out the front the front part of this process, how that's going to work. So this is a case where we're building the boat while we're floating it. There's a lot of unanswered questions. One of the major unanswered questions is, 
What is the fast track going to look like for schools that want to participate in this to get them on paths to quality? So that's one. Um, there are just a, a lot of questions about the evaluation. What is that going to be? What's that going to look like? And and the the advice of the governor's early learning advisory committee is going to speak into that and make some recommendations of what tools that we're going to be using in the classrooms uh, to measure the effectiveness of this. I'm going to interrupt us here for a second. Um, Bartholomew County was one of the 18 finalists, um, but in the end was not selected to participate in the program. And joining us on the phone now from Bartholomew County is John Burnett, another John, (laughs) president and CEO of the Community Education Committee there. John, thank you for joining us. Sure, you're welcome. I'm going to kind of interrupt what we were doing and ask you a few questions because I know we only have you for a short time. Um, what sorts of plans were in place in Bartholomew County in going through the selection process? What what sorts of things were you proposing that you would put in place? Um, well, what we were proposing was to work with approximately um, 18 providers. Probably the largest would have been the uh, Bartholomew Consolidated School Corporation. Um, but we um, had put in place uh, a collaborative group that would have been um, focused on uh, expanding our um, current pre-K efforts. But uh, but um, I guess first let me say I think it's terrific um, that there's funding being allocated in the state to pre-K, and um, I, for one, am very grateful that the uh, legislature created that opportunity and that the um, communities that are participating um, indeed are. And uh, we actually were fortunate enough to receive an er- the uh, early learning, some funding from the early learning matching grant through the legislative process, the previous biennium. So um, we have a huge effort going on, and uh, I'm glad that um, you know, more and more places in the state are all coming together to um, offer pre-K for children. So um, that's all great. What sorts of plans, if any, to move forward do you have um, or did you have in the event that you weren't selected? Um, Well, I guess the way I would characterize this is we have had an effort underway since uh, 2010. community, private sector, uh, and donations, and then um, money from our, our coalition as a whole um, has contributed to date almost $3 million into um, pre-K efforts, largest portion into a public school, um, process, uh, public school um, program that was established in 2010. And so we will continue to move forward. We've also invested uh, several hundred thousand dollars in uh, private and faith-based programs. Um, unfortunately, uh, there was a referendum um, that uh, was conducted a couple years ago that did not pass. So we had raised more money, but we're going to just keep moving and keep serving children, and uh, especially those children who's families are in, in need of some help. So, um, you know, again, I'm not I'm grateful for the opportunity for our community to have been 
able to apply for this current grant. Um, but uh, I'm happy for those, including uh, next door, Jackson County. Um, in fact, I was happened to be in Jackson County in a meeting with uh, folks who were focused on pre-K there when they got the word, so they're excited. What sorts of things will Bartholomew County look for um, that are happening in Jackson and the other participating counties, um, you know, should the program expand to the rest of the state? What sorts of things will you be, I guess, examining happening there? Mm -hmm. Well, a number of our, so our county is already teaming up with Jackson County and many other counties, and I think you're aware of this, but there's a huge effort from the private sector uh, to support the expansion pre-K throughout the state of Indiana. And there's also a huge effort going on right now, uh, supported by um, Mayor Ballard's office and also the um, Central Indiana United Way to launch more and more pre-K efforts around the state. Our education coalition was a part of this early work with what I would say has, um, has been a uh, growing grassroots effort. So to have uh, the governor's office and the legislature also um, coming in um, to work together is, is terrific. So um, everything that's happening around pre-kindergarten to serve children, uh, especially um, children in need, um, is, is, I think, amazing and um, long overdue. And so I think what we'll see is um, we'll continue to all learn from each other and those uh, counties that are receiving funding through this um, most recent um, effort by the legislature to fund, is, um, it's all good. All right, this week on Noon Edition, we're talking about a pilot for Indiana's first state-funded pre-K education program. Join the conversation by calling 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also take part in the live chat that's going on right now at wfiu.org slash noon edition or tweet us at noon edition. Um, John Pierce, I, I'm going to have to qualify which John I'm talking to now. Um, I want to go back to you briefly and um, kind of ask you to go back, you know, what's on the next on the to-do list um, as far as recruiting families. I understand in, you know, your county as well as all these others, obviously, that applied, there's a need. But mm -hmm. how are you getting the word out to them that this is now becoming available? Yes. And uh, that's a very important part of this because not every family knows about and values high-quality early learning. We sometimes assume that while well, everybody would jump at the chance, if you build it, they will come, but that's not necessarily the case. So we will be working through our organization called Org Associated Churches. We'll be working with those home visiting uh, folks that I talked about earlier, like healthy families and parents as teachers that are already visiting families in their homes. We'll be working with the Urban League, which has tremendous uh, connections within the community. We've got a strong uh, um, alliance within the Burmese population, but a lot of poverty there. So we have connectors, we call them, that are in those communities to help get the word out. So we'll probably be using public media, the, the library system, and others to get the word out. So there's still a lot of, we're not ready to get the word out yet because we're not quite sure what the word is. So we're still <laughs> learning how this is going to work. 
What sorts of um, questions, if any, have you received from parents about this program and what it will entail? Well, we really haven't received many questions yet because I really don't think that people were aware of it at all in our county until the announcement was made that we were one of the chosen. So, and if you think about the families we're talking about, you know, many of low-income families don't watch the news. They don't get newspaper. They rely on relationships to learn about things like this. And that's what's going to be really important about this. And, And that's why, you know, some other funding may be necessary to, to help get the word out um, and, and to connect with the people where they live. One of the things that we have done is that we've used the Indiana Association for um, Child Care Resource and Referral, which has new mapping care, care capability that allows us to look at where the children are that have CCDF vouchers in relation to where are the centers that can provide this kind of education. And there are a lot of mismatches. There are a lot of concentrations of high poverty children, and there is nothing there that qualifies for this program. And people in poverty have transportation issues. So we have to figure out ways to to handle that as well. So as I say, there are a lot of expenses associated with this program that nonprofits and others are going to have to figure out a way to, to manage that in addition to what they're already doing. Let's talk about funding then. Let's get into the dollars and cents. What what's um, you talked a little about the costs that you'll have to cover, but what sorts of um, who who's going to help you do this in Allen County? And, and the first question that we have is yet to be explained is there is there is an aspect to this in the legislation that says yes, the state can uh, fund up to ten million dollars out of state funds, right? But there needs to be $1 million to $5 million match from private sources. So we've we got a commitment right away from three different agencies to say, here's $100,000 that we'll invest in this if we get it. And with promises from others that we will consider it once we understand what it's all about. So we still have some fundraising to do, and we don't really know how that's going to work. The money goes to... FSSA for them to fund vouchers, but we just don't know the mechanics of that process and and how that will help determine uh, how many children get served. Other John, John Burnett, I know we only have you for a few more minutes. Is there anything you want to add before we have to say goodbye to you? Um, I guess the thing I would say is that uh, I was listening to John speak um, from Allen County and I think the more we work together um, to figure out some of the issues that uh, is being discussed here on air today uh, in terms of how we create uh, stronger and stronger collaboratives around the whole um, space of uh, pre-K um, funding and also support of uh, children who are in most in need, uh, the stronger we're going to be as a state. And so, you know, I'm kind of repeating myself, but I'm very grateful that, that uh, this particular uh, grant opportunity is moving forward, and I will absolutely enjoy the day when every uh, child um, whose family would like to have them enrolled in pre-K um, is able to do so, and um, that's, that's the day I'm looking forward to. So I appreciate the opportunity to call in. Oh, no problem. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay. Take care. You too. Bye.
Just a reminder again, the numbers you can call to join our conversation locally, 812-855-0811 or toll free at 1-877-285-9348. So now it's just the two of us. We'll get some real Allen County specifics. Um, we got funding down. I guess let's talk about, um, I heard you have a kindergarten countdown that began this summer. Can you tell us about that? Yes. It's a program that you'll find in other communities around the state. Uh, ours is funded by the United Way, and it is a, a concentrated effort right before five-year-olds go into kindergarten to give them four weeks, four weeks of five days, half days, in the actual kindergarten classroom that they will be attending once they start school. And the focus has been on attracting to this program students who have had no preschool experience whatsoever. So the kids most in need, most likely to be among those that we talked about that might report to school 18 months to 24 months behind. And we launched that last year uh, in, in two pilot sites and expanded it this year to eight and have plans to, to expand it next year because the schools really like this. They really see the difference that even four weeks can make. But I need to say that that's too late. You know, what we need to understand is what neuroscientists tell us and educators tell us about the development of the human brain, that between a birth and five years of age, 90% of the brain is developed. This is when the very architecture of the brain that serves as a foundation for all future learning is developed. The windows for learning are open widest in those earliest years, and many of them, you know, for cognitive, auditory, visual, uh, fine motor skills, all the tools that we need to succeed as humans are developed between zero and three. And there's some well, um, highly regarded research that shows that by the end of age three, a study was done that compared low-income children to middle and higher-income children, that low-income children have heard 30 million fewer words by age three than those in middle-class and, and upper-class families. And then we wonder, why are they not ready for kindergarten? And that's why I say I, I, I love the fact that we're focusing on four-year-olds. That's better than what we've been doing. But we really can't lose focus of the fact that the most important years and the biggest return on investment is really going to happen between conception during the prenatal stage of life and the first three years of life. And that's why engaging parents early and some of the home visiting programs and other things like that could be even more valuable in the long run than what we're talking about today. But this is wonderful. Nobody's <laughs> arguing about uh, this opportunity. Oh, sure, of course. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, as far as I want to touch on something that you, you sort of said in there, and that is um, focusing on these low-income kids. I know some of these programs will just be starting up, and obviously those will be the kids that come into those programs. Yes. But as far as the classrooms that already exist where you're sort of blending those kids who have already been able to afford with these low-income children, what sorts of challenges does that present for um, teachers and really the people running this program? Well, it, it may create some imbalance in child care facilities. In, in, in school classrooms, I don't think it's going to have that much of an impact. You know, the big challenge there is finding and hiring 
high-quality teachers who have the credentials to teach preschool. Um, but in other mixed-age things, it's going to be interesting to what happens to um, those child care facilities. Will they start to focus more on four-year-olds to the detriment of you know, zero to three-year-olds? Mm-hmm. We don't know the answers to that yet, and we really don't want to cannibalize all the work that's going on now. The whole idea of this program is these are additional seats, additional capacity is being created. And, but it's not the vouchers in this program that's creating the additional capacity. Communities have to create that capacity. And one of the questions that we have is, will the, will the, how is it that a child care can expand its capacity before they know if any of those kids are going to come to their place? We'll do that, but we have to recognize that a lot of child care centers, almost all of them, are businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to, like any business, you you have to take a risk to have a return on your investment. And um, and the other challenge for those child care centers is where are they going to get high-quality child care uh, providers and teachers to fulfill the role because, for example, for level four, I mean, you need bachelor's degree teachers. Mm-hmm. And we've had some examples in our own community where bright students pursuing a degree in early childhood education have opted to go elsewhere because they're not going to make the money. They, they can't even pay for their own education. So as one economist said, we have a broken market in early childhood area. I think for those classrooms that are created in the public schools, they will, they will be paid comparable to what kindergarten teachers are paid. That's not so much a problem. It's the other child care centers and that, that are going to have that kind of a problem, I think. I'm going to circle back. I'm sorry. I'm sort of jumping around here. But um, as far as that kindergarten countdown program, and all of these programs that you already have in existence, what what sorts of programs do you envision starting up? Will they be similar to what you have as far as these summer? I, I should clarify here. Um, the program, the way the program is designed, these counties can either implement calendar year programs, so those are 250 days, academic year programs, which are 180, or intensive summer programs, mm-hmm. sort of like what you were talking about earlier. What right. What sorts of programs are going to... In, in our county, most of them are going, we envision uh, being full school year programs and maybe year-round programs. We don't know for sure. But much of our proposal was centered around what the schools can do because they seem primed and ready to go on to pass to quality. They have the infrastructure in place to be able to, to provide the, the teaching and the capacity to do this. But our Head Start uh, is a level four Head Start, and we're looking to serve anywhere from 68 to 317 additional children Mm -hmm. four years old during the summertime. They have no more capacity for the regular school year, so that's where they can contribute. Um, And then the rest will be um, existing level three and four that have the ability to increase capacity, and levels one and two who within the next year can move up to a level three or four and be able to add children to their their roles. So now that we've, we've been on the phone with um, someone from a county that wasn't selected and we know you're one of the five that was, I want to ask you if you feel or your county feels any pressure um, 
in taking this on, seeing as these other counties, if this program is expanded, are going to be looking, you know, to see how your assessments went and how the study, how the kids in your study have performed. So does does that add any extra pressure? Absolutely. It adds a lot of pressure. We're very aware of that, and we take that to heart. Um, we know that future generations of children are going to rely on this succeeding, and it's going to be up to our five uh, counties to, to be able to prove that this is worth the investment. One of the things I'll also say is that I've talked with Melanie Brizzy, who is the director of the FSSA department that is over this, and that we want to share what we've already learned by going through the process. There are 18 counties that submitted statements. All of us learned a lot just about the challenges that, that we'll face and what needs to be done that we want to share with the rest of the 92 counties Plus, um, we've actually got a, a time to meet and talk about how can the five counties share as we go along the lessons learned so that other counties are up to speed uh, when, when this matures and becomes something that may go straight statewide. We think that's valuable. It's part of the collaborative effort that John was talking about a little bit earlier that needs to happen not just within counties but across county borders and throughout the state. One of the best examples uh, for the state was the recent application by, the Indiana, by Indiana for a Race to the Top Early Learning Challenge Grant, where we had the opportunity to bring to Indiana up to $43 million to, to support our early childhood efforts. And that was a collaborative effort between the Indiana Department of Health, a recognition that health is vital to this part of what we're talking about, the Indiana Department of Education and FSSA. So there is a lot of collaboration going on. We're delighted that legislators, the governor, and some business leaders are connecting the dots and see how this can lead to a greater, better Indiana for all of us because it means we'll be producing um, employee, potential employees that will attract jobs and, and strengthen our economy in the long run. So do you feel ready for this to start? Are you We're ready absolutely to? ready. We are energized. <laughs> um, we welcome the challenge. Uh, we know it's not going to be easy, but we're working with people that are passionate about this work. You know, for the first time, one of the things that this legislation does is it validates, in a way, the work that's been going on uh, by nonprofits, by child care providers, um, by leaders, um, like Melanie Brizzy and Diana Wallace, who's head of the Indiana Association of Young Children, and the Head Starts that have been doing this work all along without, you know, proper recognition, I think, from the business community and, and our, our government. Um, as I said earlier, we have a broken market, and the people who produce this value for our society aren't being paid for the value that they create. They are developing the actual brains of the people that we want to hire, of the, the, the men and women that we want to marry our children someday. And what could be more important than that? And I'm, I'm going to end with probably the question I should have led with, which is why is pre-K so important to Indiana? Uh, as I said earlier, we we're spending $17 million re-educating kindergartners who are held back in kindergarten this last year. It is so important because it builds human capacity for our society. 
there are two po potential trajectories for students from low-income families. One is they'll become, in a way, economic burdens on society. They will need welfare, social assistance. They will go into the criminal justice um, system. We pay for that. We are paying a high price now for failure. Why not instead pay a lower price for success? And it is not inexpensive to provide high-quality early child care and preschool. But economic studies have shown that we get 7 to $16 return as a society for the investment that we make. So that's why we need to do this. It's in the best interest of all Hoosiers. Well, John Pierce, thank you so much for joining us in studio and talking about this today. Thank you. Thank you also to our guest representative, Bob Baining, John Burnett, and thank you to all of you for listening today. For producer Lacey Scarmana and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Rachel Morello, and this is Noon Edition. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. You can find podcasts of this and other WFIU programs at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville Communications, serving Southern Indiana with fiber gigabit internet and digital IPTV. More information at smithville.net. And from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, addressing public health needs by preventing disease, promoting health, and improving quality of life across the state and around the world through research, teaching, and community engagement, offering undergraduate and advanced degrees publichealth.indiana.edu.